Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 5, Chapter 8, The Houses of Healing, discussing ritual in community. So this is our first episode of the new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year! 2023, baby! Do you have any New Year's rituals that you think would be improved by perhaps someone from the Lord of the Rings attending? Oh, I would say possibly always (laughs) my life and rituals could be improved by having um, someone perhaps from the fellowship coming Mm -hmm. because I just adore them so much. Like Gimli is welcome at my home at any time. For any reason. Yeah, not just New Year's. Not just New Year's. um, But perhaps, perhaps Mary and Pip would liven up a New Year's celebration, which is typically, well, COVID has changed the ritual a bit. I love New Year's because I love sparkles. Mm -hmm. I love fancy dress. And so I like to go out and have just a really fancy cocktail with my partner. And then usually we come home kind of early and just like hang out and have a good time and listen to music. And I feel that that process could be enhanced by Mary and Pip uh, mm, participating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would they would enjoy the beverage offerings. Mm-hmm. I think that you mm-hmm. have. Yes. And you, you have a particular person in mind? I like not for New Year's Eve, but on New Year's Day, I like a a good quiet reflective moment perhaps Mm -hmm. we're gonna write some intentions for the new year and some things that we we will want to do moving forward and i think i think sam and legolas would be most helpful for me in that Mm. because sam is very supportive and Mm -hmm. legolas i think can maybe see a little bit into the future so he could give me like a little wink like no 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 not that one you want to try this one instead right that one suits you i like trying to choose my my resolutions. And either which way, I think he would be very about a reflective moment. Yes. That's all he does. <laughs> a sweet bean who seems to be nothing but introspection. I yeah. think he would vibe with that verily. Mm-hmm. Ver- verily and thus. Verily and thus he would vibe. <laughs> so I don't know if that was a sneak peek of what you were planning to talk about with some New Year's Eve rituals, but it's your turn to tell us a story about ritual. So what what story did you bring for us today? Well, I brought a story about, about an experience that you and I have had together mm-hmm. over many years. And I will I will be honest, I felt that this experience was perfectly encapsulated by a stranger who wrote an article about this online that you had shared with me. And so I'm going to walk us through the article just a little bit um, and we'll credit. No both idea the, what we're talking about. <laughs> bo- both the source and the author. And then we're going to give an example. Okay. Okay. So today uh, for the uninitiated, we are talking about the Midwest goodbye. Nice. And <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, I think, perfectly captured by an Odyssey Online article written by Megan Carmen. So the steps are these. The whelp, 
And uh, again, for those who are not Midwesterners, that whelp is like a saying. So you kind of like put your hands on your knees and go, whelp. And that indicates to the rest of the group that you are ready to leave. Then uh, everybody gets a hug, usually. So you go around to all party goers, all guests, give them a hug, and then you walk to the door. That's phase three is the door. And then uh, you're getting ready to leave, but then someone will usually start a conversation at the door. And so stage four is the doorway chat. So you've already hugged everybody. You're getting ready to leave, but now you've launched into yet another conversation and you're sort of standing there having that conversation. And then usually someone who's a bit more timepiece minded says, well, we really should be going. And then that again, signals to the group that you're getting ready to leave. So then there's a second round of hugs. That's phase six. Then, of course, because you're near the door, stage seven is to put the hand on the doorknob. And that is, again, a signal to your fellow friends that, okay, no, I'm serious this time. And then as you open the door, there is another conversation that happens. So this is stage eight. And then stage nine is finally the, like, you get in your vehicle or you leave. And uh, then there's a window wave. So usually there's like uh, maybe a honk from you in the car to the people in the house. There might be a porch light flicker to let them know that you've seen them or just a standard stand in the window and wave. So these are the stages. For folks who haven't experienced it before, it is an entirely prolonged process. Um, And one that I hadn't really thought about describing to someone else in these very particular stages but it happens exactly this way and i'd say probably the only caveat is um, there's a possibility of driveway chat if it's in the summer Um, Mm -hmm. they'll walk you out to your car Um, and so then the slow open conversation might happen on your own vehicle (laughs) as opposed to like someone else's home door Um, but this happens to I mean, every single person I know who's from the Midwest has had at least one experience with this. Ellen and I experienced this at every family gathering from the time that we were just wee babes to the time that we to now to now. Mm -hmm. So an example of this as we come into the new year would be my most recent Thanksgiving with uh, our family. And there was exactly this. Okay, you know, we're getting ready to go. Uh, everybody got a hug. We kind of walked to the door. We had a conversation with folks. People were departing at different times. We had the doorway chat. They said, yep, we really got to get going now. There was a second round of hugs. I think we kind of skipped the slow open conversation. And honestly, it felt a bit abrupt. The leaving did. Um, and then for me, particularly this, this past Thanksgiving, I forgot something. And so then there was a return to the home pick up the things and then there was a quick little doorway chat um and then and then we departed and that is the very ritualistic i would say because these steps happen in such a prescribed order uh midwest goodbye this was this is excellent when you said ritual that we had done many times i thought you were going to talk about the Aladdin and Jasmine ornaments. That... Oh, it was a consideration. <laughs> it was a consideration. We fought over every year and took turns annually of who got to put up Jasmine mm-hmm. and who had the great dishonor of having to put up Aladdin on the tree. Yeah. She's basic. 
<laughs> but this is good too and it is it's nice because it's not just a family ritual it is more of a cultural ritual so we can talk about the wider community a bit so I appreciate I appreciate you bringing this and educating any any listeners who have not yet had the blessing of going to a social function at someone's home or perhaps church basement where we do a lot of good buying we do a lot of good buying my personal favorite is the hand on the doorknob while you're also holding yeah. leftovers yeah like that's the best way to experience that as they just come to room temperature in mm-hmm. your hand through that like sometimes hour long hand on the doorknob conversation mm-hmm. it's a classic <laughs> it's a classic it is it does feel prolonged, but I will say, absent that, um, leaving feels very abrupt to me. Yeah, no, I get it. You need you mm-hmm. need all of the all of the all steps. the things. That's right. Just in case. Just in case. Mm-hmm. So those are the stages of the Midwest goodbye. Shout out to Megan Carmen and the Odyssey Online for writing such a lovely article we'll link to it because it is truly hilarious and and accurate so again for those who haven't experienced this before it's a good learning opportunity for those who have it will feel like you're having a conversation with a friend because it is so accurate (laughs) for us to talk a little bit more about rituals community-based leftover in hand uh we'll have to know what happened so Ellen, can you run us through the events of the chapter? I can. And this chapter, similar to A Midwest Goodbye, was a lot of chatting and not a mm-hmm. lot of action taking. So the pace right. definitely felt a bit slower than, you know, the prior three chapters where everyone was just sprinting in every direction. Mm-hmm. So the the chapter starts with Eowyn and Theoden being brought into the city of Gondor. Mary is overlooked, which is just really sad. So Eowyn and Theoden are like brought in in all of this state and they're carried in and Mary is overlooked. But Pippin notices that he's not there. So he comes down to look for him. And then upon seeing that Mary is really struggling, sends for Gandalf and they bring him also to the Houses of Healing. Then we get a little bit of description about this mysterious disease that people are falling ill with, the Black Shadow. And it tells us that Mary and Eowyn are really severely afflicted by this, which sort of just sends you into slowly into a coma and then you die. The healers are confused and they're not quite sure what to make of this, but Eorith, hashtag justice for Eorith, because she gets a raw deal in this chapter... Reminds Mm -hmm. people of this old rhyme about kings and whatnot. And Gandalf is like, ha ha, I have a king handy. And Aragorn comes to save the day. He uses Athalas, or Asalat, as we called it earlier in our recordings. (laughs) um, Plus his melodious voice to call Faramir, Eowyn, and Merry all back from the darkness and into the land of the living. There is a lot of emotional discussion, some healing talk, how is everyone doing, when can they get back out of bed, but Eowyn is still sad. Her body is healed, but she is not happy at the end of this chapter, and they talk about her a lot. All of the people of Gondor are very excited that Aragorn is here. He goes around and heals basically everybody, 
And then he stays outside of the city to give people his space, their space. He says that the time is not ripe for me to come in in all my kingly splendor, and I'm going to hang outside until the time is ripe. And that's the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for those events. I agree. There was a lot of chatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of speculating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a little bit of joking around at the end, which lightened the mood, um, which was nice. But I agree entirely that um, Aorith, you said? Mm-hmm. Aorith gets a bit of a... She's a bit dismissed. Yes, and I'm like, she had the answer. Unfounded. (laughs) She brought the poem. She's just long-winded and sharing it. And that's like... But she knows it, though. And also, when I was listening to it, I do remember reading this and thinking, like, yeah, she is long-winded. But when you listen Mm -hmm. to it, I'm like, this person is speaking for a reasonable amount of time. Like, it is not a... (laughs) It's just not a clipped sentence, but she's, she's not you know, maundering on for pages and pages about the, you know, the history of who's related to who in the land of Venorian with blah, 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 blah. Like, it's three or four sentences. It's not that bad. I think, too, it would matter the delivery because um, it's been noted that I speak quite quickly often. And so I think if you delivered those lines kind of quickly in the haste of a moment trying to communicate information, it wouldn't sound... It wouldn't sound to me an inordinate amount of time, right? right? However, the herb master, Uh, I felt, was like, what is your purpose, good sir? Like, please, please exit this conversation. You have added zero value. And in Aragorn's defense, he also agrees. And he's like, there is no benefit to the the herb master. (laughs) And I love the little shade he throws to to him in his absence when he's talking to to Mary and Mary, Pippin at the yeah. end. <laughs> it, that's my favorite part of the chapter. Yeah, I thought that funny. was just hilarious. And I think maybe one of the few times that we see Aragorn have a sense of humor. Right. I don't know that we've seen that side of him before. So I thought that was a fun character moment when he's supposed to be like this returned king and he's talking a little shade uh, as part of his bedside manner yeah and Imrahil's like is this how we speak to kings and like <laughs> yes it is <laughs> this is how we speak to kings <laughs> this king in particular this, this particular strider king don't worry prince Imrahil. no one has um mistaken you for yes. a sense of humor you will not be talked to as <laughs> <laughs> we would never we would never to you right so yeah, that's what that's what happened in the chapter. Mm-hmm. Felt kind of short, so can't wait to see where you found an example <laughs> for for us to maybe dive a little bit deeper into into ritual. Yes, well, I will say that there are there are a couple of examples that I think I found, but um, some that we'll have to talk through and really think about whether there's a ritual aspect to them. So the first example is on my first page, which is page 163. Mm -hmm. It is how the city receives King Theoden and Eowyn. So, quote, Gently they laid Eowyn upon soft pillows, but the king's body they covered with a great cloth of gold, and they bore torches about him, and their flames pale in the sunlight were fluttered by the wind. So Theoden and Eowyn came to the city of Gondor, and all who saw them bared their heads and bowed. So... I'm not sure that this 
process is one that happens often, but it did seem to have a little bit more of a ritualistic overtone to it for mm-hmm. the fact that this is a these are people of noble birth and so they're received in a very specific way i like the pageantry in it of course I... you do <laughs> as someone who's very pro pageantry <laughs> i am very pro pageantry and i appreciated that we got some here i'm like yeah give them that they like i the, what i thought of is he says that they like cover him in a gold cloth I'm like, we're in the middle of the war. Where did they get that? Who sourced it? Where did we find it? Was it ready? Did you just make it? Was it like prepared in the gold cloth covered that we keep on hand for such such important deaths? I don't know. I had a lot of questions Mm -hmm. about the logistics, but it was great. I like the idea of like one airtight storage Uh somewhere in a Gondorian basement (laughs) with like... Ah, yes, the Death Shroud of Kings. And it it has to be, like, shaken out and dusted and all that kind of stuff. And someone's, like, doing this in the middle of other battles. Yeah, and it's actually Mr. Carson from Downton Abbey. He's the butler. (laughs) And he's like, aha, I have this in in the butler's pantry and ready for just such an occasion. Right. Mr. Carson would be ready for something like that. He would. And I admire that. My next example is on page my page 165 and it talks a little bit about the houses of healing and so quote for though all lore was in these latter days fallen from its fullness of old the leechcraft of gondor was still wise and skilled in the healing of wound and hurt and all such sickness as east of sea east of the sea mortal men were subject to save old age only So it seems to imply that there's a a sort of tried and true practice, perhaps a bit ritualistic in terms of steps of healing, and that's why the folks of Gondor live to ripe old ages, um, because that seems to be the only thing that they cannot cure. Mm -hmm. Not that old, though. I think they said like 50. (laughs) Right. Well, and comparatively, right, because we have like elves and... Um, Aragorn. you know men yeah men with from the race of Numenorian but like for their I think contextually right um, the folks of Gondor are living longer than perhaps other men mm-hmm. in a similar example we have Aora remembering sort of the lore around curing those stricken by um, the Black Shadow. So on page 166, she says, quote, Alas, if he should die, would that there were kings in Gondor, as there were once upon a time, they say, for it is said in old lore, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. And then again on page 172, she knows um, the whole sort of rhyme um, about curing the Black Shadow. When the Black Breath blows and death's shadows grow and all lights pass come athalas come athalas life to the dying in the king's hand lying so i think here the the lore strikes me as a bit of a ritual right like that there is again this prescribed set of steps that needs to be taken to cure the black shadow and it's and the lore serve it, serves as a reminder of what those steps are and where to look for, for resources. Mm-hmm. 
It's interesting because Aragorn later says that this person who says that the Lord Master has it only half remembered, um, mm-hmm. but that you know our our good women they keep it in their half forgotten, understood memories or whatever mm-hmm. condescension he he gives. Um, so yes. it's it's interesting also like who values that ritual and who's mm-hmm. keeping track of it because the person that you would think is isn't like the person in the in the structure in the role to do this isn't keeping track of it he's like i don't know old women talk about it (laughs) right i think you know that's really interesting to me because i think we see maybe some of that gender divide in gondor again where again we're, we're pretty dismissive of the the information that these women have um but to me there's also ritual in passing knowledge and so it would be interesting to think about how perhaps women exclusively but how generally this information is passed from generation to generation that it lives even if half remembered in in the mind of someone who's present to address uh, a a present situation Mm -hmm. okay so then one i had a question about was on page 167 Aragorn seems hesitant to enter the city, as you named, and I wasn't sure if he was considering that to be like a breach of ritual or if that was just him being diplomatic about his timing and emergence as someone who could claim the throne. I think he wants to be invited, Mm -hmm. sort of like a vampire. (laughs) You can't come in unless someone has invited you into the house. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably both. Mm. Rituals help people manage and understand change. And I think that the people of Gondor will be more excited and willing to accept him if they see the ritual of the changeover, of the steward inviting him in. He marches in in all of his regal splendor. Perhaps mm-hmm. we do a coronation. Like that feels out in the open easily understood and easily celebrated instead of like Mm -hmm. oh my god we had a war and now all of a sudden like who is that leading this country never seen him right right and we get a little bit of that at the end of the chapter where like for the fact that he's come in the walls and now people kind of know who he is right there's rumors spreading so i agree i think i think the ritual and and perhaps transparency then of that change of power becomes easier to understand and internalize as someone who's going to experience it Mm -hmm. yes definitely well good that was helpful on page 169 there's also a bit of a i think ritualistic way in which aragorn names himself and like just the naming convention so quote and Aragorn, hearing him, turned and said, Verily, for in the high tongue of old I am Elisar the elf stone and the renewer. And he lifted from his breast the green stone that lay there. But Strider shall be the name of my house, if that be ever established. In the high tongue it will not sound so ill, and tell Kontar I will be and all the heirs of my body. So it seems to be that there's like sort of this call to the way in which he has sort of a the house name his name in particular, um, and that that appears to call to a sort of broader ritual of naming. Yeah, did he just, like, pick his last name? (laughs) 
I think so. And I'm not quite sure why that is, because he has so many names <laughs> that it's unclear to me why we need another one. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> you would think any of his children would be son of Aragorn or daughter right. of whoever he has kids with. Right. I don't know. Unclear. I'm I'm happy for him, you know. More power to you, picking your own name, setting up your own house. I like Strider. Right. <laughs> I mean, Strider's a good name. And Strider, sorry. I know you <laughs> You listen to the book, so is Telcantar like is that how you would say that? I don't remember. Mm. But probably. I feel like a lot of this stuff is pretty phonetic. Sure. All right, so then really the only other example that I saw was on page 178 where there's this exchange between Mary and Aragorn and it's a- about his pipeweed. Mm-hmm. And so Mary is hesitant to smoke, even though that seems like something that he kind of wants to do. I'm, I'm unsure if that's like a like a cultural ask, like as part of like, a, oh, I came through this thing and now like this is a thing that relaxes me or if it's more just like Mary and Pippin, that's something that they want to do and spend some time together. Right. Could be both. But he's hesitant to do that because he was going to do that with King Theoden. And so it makes him sad to think about this recent loss of a man that he respected greatly. And Aragorn really encourages him to do it anyway. And he says, quote, smoke then and think of him for he was a gentle heart and a great king and kept his oaths and he rose out of the shadows to a last fair morning. Though your service to him was brief, it should be a memory glad and honorable to the end of your days. Mary smiled. Well, then he said, if Strider will provide what is needed, I will smoke and think. I had some of Saruman's best in my pack, but what became of it in the battle? I'm sure I don't know. So it feels to me that there's a bit of a a ritual there, both in the thing itself that Mary wants to do, right? The smoking of the pipe weed, but also kind of in this exchange between Mary and Aragorn about Aragorn stepping in to that leadership role that he's been playing for the fellowship the whole time. And in this moment, it seems a bit more like because... I think Aragorn is a peer to King Theoden. He's maybe helping Mary navigate what grieving looks like, what's appropriate. And so is kind of serving as a mm, cultural attache in that mm. moment to say like, no, 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 this is, a, this is an okay thing for you to do. And this is actually a really appropriate way for you to grieve all, the loss of someone you really respected. I was having a conversation earlier this week with somebody about honoring people who have passed and how different cultures do it and we talked a lot about altars in the home and like Mm. having a place in your house that is a a physical remembrance of someone that you loved or your an ancestor of some sort who is deceased Mm -hmm. but then also having the pilgrimage and the action of going to a cemetery plot and going there Mm -hmm. and that's like the more formal version And this kind of reminds me of that, of like, this is his, not a pilgrimage, but it's like his physical act of remembering. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes having that, that physical ritual, again, helps people deal with change and deal with transition. And I think it's, it's helping him deal more with the, the loss of Theoden. I agree with that. And I think both parts are, are so key to grief because 
grief is such a, a powerful emotion that to have sort of a touchstone, both visually and also physically, to remember can be a way to process. And I think that's that's really important for navigating what will not be a linear, you know, healing process from for Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not linear. Right. Well, those are my examples. Did you see any others that perhaps I, I overlooked or didn't ascribe to a ritual? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> well, I thought today's, I mean, today's theme was a little bit more of a challenge for me to look for um, in the chapter. So I appreciate the conversation because I feel like that really helped solidify some of the the nods I think we get to ritual in the chapter, but mm-hmm. that aren't as um, blatant or outright, perhaps as like a, you know, like a christening, which is a very explicit right. ritual, or to your point, a coronation, which is also a very explicit ritual. We love we love a coronation. Um, <laughs> love a good crown. Love a, love a good crown. No, I I think there are some good small moments in there, particularly the pipe weed and hanging out just mary and pippin hanging out together they're gonna have some food they're gonna be easy for a while and i think there's there's something very comforting in that that perhaps small ritual that they have between their friendship that is different from from the grander ones yes and i'm so glad that they are both now in this moment together because it feels like this is the exact right time for them to really rely on that ritual of friendship to to navigate all that they've seen, all that they've done. Because it's been it's been quite a journey to get back to each other, and so something familiar feels really important right now. Yeah. Oh, we love them. Yeah. They're so cute together. And Pippin is so loving in his care yes, for Mary as he, he comes in the city he's like I can't believe they overlooked you I have to get Gandalf right now yeah oh, breaks my heart it's a good Pippin's a good friend he is a good friend But I think that would be a good space then for us to talk a little bit more just about um, the writing and the quotes that stood out to us in this chapter. So are you ready to do our hashtag TWT? TWT time! TWT time! I am ready. My first one is on Mm -hmm. my page 143. Who knows where it is in your book? It's really (laughs) impossible to know. Truly. Um, And it's a short one. And it's from when the herb master is being pretentious. And he mm. talks about King's Foil, quote, as the rustics name it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> sure. So that one was, that was just an eye roll. He's giving me a lot of, I am, I am here because I'm better than you mm-hmm. vibes. Which is a bit ironic, right? Because he's talking to Aragorn, who is like the king returned. Right. And... Aragorn says almost identical to the herb master, but a page prior, 
It is also called King's Foil, said Aragorn, and maybe you know it by the name, for so the country folk call it in these latter days. And like, what a just a nicer, gentler way yeah. of validating the knowledge that these folks the have. people who live here in the country instead of the rustics. It's like the, the plebeians call it this. The uneducated mm-hmm. call it King's Foil. And you're like, all right, sir. Yeah, and he I didn't don't. even know. It's not the time for you. It's not. <laughs> So the other one that I wanted to bring was because we get it in the movie and we get it from Wormtongue. And so mm. it was nice. It was not nice. It was weird to see it coming from coming from Gandalf today. This is 146. Quote, but who knows what she spoke to the darkness alone in the bitter watches of the night when all her life seemed shrinking and the walls of her bower closing in about her a hutch to trammel some wild thing in. So this is him being, he's he's trying to be empathetic to Eowyn. Mm-hmm. And I love that he, I think it's a pretty good grasp about why she feels the way she feels. And is mm-hmm. like, Eomer, think about it. She she is trapped in this gender role and she wants to go out and do stuff. And then she had Wormtongue whispering to her. But in the movie, we get him like saying it to her mm-hmm. while she's like looking over her I think in the scene where she's looking over her, the body of her dead brother. Yes. But it's just, it's well written. It's well described. A hutch to trammel some wild thing. I'm so glad that you brought this one to our attention because I was not prepared to have the emotional response I did to this, this first sort of passage here Mm -hmm. from, but just this, the fact that Eowyn for the whole time we've known her, has been so seemingly misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And to have this very clear-eyed assessment from Gandalf, and a bit, I think, from Aragorn, right? Her predicament and her challenge, as you name, due to her gender, due to her aspirations, due to the way that culturally you can sort of gain notoriety or honor in the Rohirrim, was just such a lovely and... I was so thankful for that moment because it feels like for the first time, perhaps Eowyn is seen for who she sees herself as. And I just thought that was, that's a, that's such a gift anytime that that can happen. And so for Eowyn to get it here mm-hmm. late, I would say. but And still also to, unconscious, to like she misses this and moment. <laughs> she misses this moment. But I, I would say that for our allies who are noticing this, change or this this worry for her who have noticed it up until now right i think their challenge then is to say moving forward what do we do about that how do we support her and um, allowing her to be her full self so i was getting a little misty reading that yeah i love the spirit and courage at least the match of yours is a great yes. descriptor and aomer's i mean i love he loves his sister obviously he's like oh i just I just thought she had a crush crush on Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's more? It's like, yeah, Wormtongue was a whispering to her, and it basically ruined Theoden, and she has borne, like, the whisperings of the evil magic, plus all, everything else we just talked about, and came through, you know, better. <laughs> right. Better than Theoden, at least. If not, like, not herself right. better. So, I, I love her arc through the whole book and she gets some better moments to come but this to me feels like a turning of everyone realizing like hey let's all look let's all look at this for a little bit 
And she's a boss. Because, I mean, like, let's be clear, and I think Gandalf knows, perhaps not the rest of them, or they don't know precisely how much she just saved their bacon. Yeah. <laughs> like, she is the one who defeated the the Wraith Lord. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. So had we perhaps embraced what she what she is capable of, might we have had a wholly different outcome for this world sooner. Yeah, and it was gratifying when Gandalf says that about Merry and Pippin. Of like, oh, I'm really glad that you guys were allowed to come, because otherwise this day would have been a lot worse. Right. Would have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Those are my those are my talking with Tolkien's. Well I had a couple. I had a couple ones that I thought were funny. Okay. One is on page 170, and Aragorn's being mm, a bit, a bit brusque about the whole, uh, his whole exchange with Aorith. And he says, I will judge that when I see, said Aragorn. One thing also is short. Time for speech. Have you, Athelas? And I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a delight. Then also on, okay, let's see, on page 178... Mary and Aragorn are chatting. This is shortly after Aragorn uh, encourages Mary to smoke and remember King Theoden. And he has this really lovely, full sort of statement here. Quote, Master Meriadoc said, Aragorn, if you think that I have passed through the mountains and the realm of Gondor with fire and sword to bring herbs to a careless soldier who throws away his gear... You are mistaken. If your pack has not been found, then you must send for the herb master of this house, and he will tell you that he did not know that the herb you desire had any virtues, but that it is called Westman's weed by the vulgar, and Galenas by the noble, and other names in other tongues more learned. And after adding a few half-forgotten rhymes that he does not understand, he will regretfully inform you that there is none in the house, and he will leave you to reflect on the history of tongues." And so now must I, for I have not slept in such a bed as this since I rode from Donharrow, nor eaten since the dark before dawn. And Mary, who's taking him in earnest, says he's sorry, Mm -hmm. and then ultimately says, But it is the way of my people to use light words at such times and say less than they mean. We fear to say too much. It robs us of the right words when a jest is out of place. And I liked that sort of ending quote from Mary. And then, of course, we learn and Pippin shares with Mary that um, Aragorn was playing a bit of a prank because his pack is right, right next to him. Right there, friend. Right <laughs> and there. Uh, we'll, we'll smoke and it'll be great. And uh, Aragorn is pulling your leg. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Aragorn gives him that whole speech and it's like, your bag, it's right there. <laughs> right, right. And it's so sweet. <laughs> Because Pippin, Pippin says, was there ever anyone like him? Except Gandalf, of course. I think they must be related. My dear ass, your pack is laying <laughs> by your bed and you had it on your back when I met yes. you. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is a good friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then my last quote that I really liked is um, sort of a continuation of that conversation between Mary and Pippin. And Mary says, quote, it is best to love first what you are fitted to love, I suppose. You must start somewhere and have some roots. And I dig that. It's not so um, nihilistic as to say what you love first is what you must love, but I like that idea of your growing roots there, and so that might allow you to do something more later. 
Good quotes. Good quotes. Good chapter. Good. Great series. <laughs> this book. It's good. <laughs> Have you heard of this book? Oh, my. Lord of the Rings. Hot take. Good book. <laughs> hot take. Pretty good. You heard it here first, folks. That's right. Um, in season five. <laughs> <laughs> After 50 some episodes, now we know for sure. Now certain. we know. Can confirm. <laughs> And I enjoyed this conversation, mostly because I like speaking with you about Lord of the Rings, but also because I like talking about rituals. And I am a big believer in adding them in wherever possible, because I feel like that's mm-hmm. that's all the meaning making that humans are we're good at. We like it. It makes our brains happy. Fully agree. I would say that I struggle to adhere to a ritual. So it's very likely that part of my plan for 2023 is I will be making more of an effort not to establish new ones, but to simply be consistent mm. in practicing mm-hmm. s- uh, established ones. The ones you have. The ones I have. Well, that sounds like a very actionable item that you've just given us there. But what is your what is your action item that you've brought to the listeners and myself in today's episode? My action item is this. Consider a routine you currently practice, a ritual you currently practice, and see where and how you can add community connection in um, to sort of enhance what you are already practicing. I like that. My first thought is that I should join a run club. <laughs> but running with people sort of stresses me out. So maybe maybe I'll think of something else. Something that I that I do that I can add a little bit of community to. Because what would this show be if we didn't focus on where we could add in a little bit of community? That's right. That is the thesis. That is the thesis, other than you and I talking about Lord of the Rings. That's right. Those two things combined. <laughs> yep. Season five, you guys. Season five. <laughs> we are finally nailing this down. <laughs> We got that elevator pitch set. Today's podcast was brought to you by Strider, a.k.a. Aragorn, son of Arathorn, a.k.a. Alisar the Elfstone, a.k.a. Telkintar. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. Are you going to talk, are you going to bring up the quote of Aragorn dressing down the, the end? Um, possibly. Okay, that's okay. It's a long one. That's why I didn't bring it up, but I was just hoping someone would. Someone would? (laughs) Who else is there? (laughs) You are 50% of this podcast. I wanted someone to bring it up. I was just hoping someone would bring that to the table.